Hi everybody, you're listening to The Woke Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk. We strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to our episode zero on safety and consent in rope before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. Today's episode is sponsored by you, our lovely listeners. Thank you so much for our patrons who make this podcast possible by supporting some of the costs. If you'd like to help us make more Rope Podcast episodes, please go to ropepodcast.com and visit our Patreon. The episode right before this one was the first half of our interview with Icarus and Leaf, which is super interesting. So if you haven't heard the first half yet, we strongly recommend you go and listen to that now. And if you've already heard it, then here we go for the second part. Are there specific people or authors, either in rope or artists that have nothing to do with rope that have really inspired you or been role models for you so far? Um, I think some people that definitely inspire me, Sube comes to mind Mm -hmm. um, as a big inspiration, a very, very big fan of her work and the way that she talks about rope. I mean, like we, I remember we woke up at 3 a.m. for her, her, her empathy, empathy feeling with the heart of another. Mm -hmm. Oh, so good. Um, just so good. I'm very inspired by her. Um, I, like I said, definitely inspired by just like classic composition as well of just like photography and trying to just like take things from classic photography, like how you take pictures of a landscape. Mm-hmm. And and applying that to how you take a picture of a body in rope. Yeah, I know. One time we went to like we we will, we will sometimes go to museums, mm-hmm. like art museums, and just like take photos of things. Yes, that we're like, could we like be like, inspired like, about like this? angels, like Renaissance angels, <laughs> um, or very weird like New Age sculptures, and just like this feels like something. How do we translate this into rope? I'm also like constantly inspired by my closest friends. Um, to shout out to a few of them, Never and Freya, Tom Pereira-Lee, and, and um, Shakti and Lexa as a few. Yeah, those are just folks that we, like, see regularly, like, and, in the teaching yeah. circuit that and we talk to, and we just talk long about, along about what they're inspired by in rope and why they're in rope. And mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite questions that Never actually brought up to everyone. There was, like, a group of 30 rope people at, like, we were all... About 30, maybe like 15. I don't know math, but like there's a bunch <laughs> of people at the table and never just pulls out this, this card and, and they ask us, so like, why rope? And went around to each single person. Why wow. rope you? Why rope you? And everyone yeah. had different answers for that. And I love that question. Like, why rope? Mm-hmm. So friends definitely inspire us as well. Yeah. I think I'm inspired by when I was coming up in the scene like 10 years ago, it was just getting to the point where I saw bottoms teaching independently mm-hmm. or bottoms leading classes and their tops just kind of like monkeys, standing yeah. there and then occasionally <laughs> flying to demonstrate a point. Um, and so I know like for me, some of the first folks I got to see do that, that really excited me were like, um, uh, Bex teaching mm-hmm. with DWL and Fuoco of 
course and uh, Gorgon, just like a few folks who traditionally had been in rope, really taking a lot mm-hmm. of ownership for bettering the community and like bringing new perspectives. Um, I know that really allowed me to see myself as an educator, which I had not previously done. I thought, oh, best I could be is like a model for another educator mm-hmm. as opposed to like being my own educator. So those were some of the folks that I think like did a lot of work paving the way <laughs> um, for, for, for us to step in there. And then I honestly think that like rope inspiration comes from everywhere, regardless of how good quote unquote people are at rope or how long they've been tying. I know like folks like, Tamandua and, and, and mm-hmm. Kana, like those folks, you know, inspire me on a day to day basis. Um, but also there are folks that I follow whose names I don't even know, um, who I've never spoken to and I don't know anything about the rope, but they'll do tiny little things. And I'm like, wow, I haven't dressed a rep like that. Or wow, I really like the way that they looked at their bottom in that exact moment. I've not mm-hmm. seen this sequence before. And there's like, there's, there's inspiration kind of everywhere. Um, that I don't think is always about, you know, uh, how long someone's been tying, but I, just the intention that folks bring. Amazing. And um, making money uh, or making a living with rope is a topic we haven't actually explored very often on the podcast. Um, and you are both uh, educators and it feels like maybe there are other areas as well. Are you able to share a bit about where that fits in your life, whether rope helps you make a living, whether it's your full time profession? Yeah, so uh, Icky has a day job, which we're very grateful for. Um, Thank God. (laughs) Um, And I am the full-time rope artist at the moment. So ever since the pandemic, I lost my daytime job. And uh, when I was collecting unemployment, I thought no better time than the present to start my own business. And so I have been a full-time rope artist for coming up on two years, which is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so how does that I feel do. to be making a living out of rope and that transition from a passion to a profession like that? It is, it, I, sometimes, uh, I forget because this is, this was my dream when I was, when I was younger, I never thought, I thought I would be able to like, I always wanted to travel and teach. Like that was kind of like my goal. I really wanted to do that, but I never thought it would be what I do full time. So sometimes when I think about it, I'm still like shaking my head, like reeling about it that like I actually am doing that right now, but it's also terrifying because I don't have anyone to really, or it feels that at least in my immediate circle, don't have anyone that I can look to and be asked for advice or to know like what to do next. Um, and I, I literally have a theater degree. (laughs) I I have like the most useful college degree ever. Mm -hmm. So don't really have any business skills. So there are a lot of walls that I hit. Um, but I am still going strong and have, you know, food to eat and a gorgeous roof over my head. And, uh, so it's going well so far. Yeah. Your beautiful website, house of bound, right? Yes, I do have my website house of bound where you can find anything house of bound under the sun. Uh, I sell tutorials. I also teach, um, private lessons and also private sessions. So I am doing like in-person sex work. So if somebody wants to be tied by me, they, for money, I will do that. 
Yeah, and and I I work uh, full time, um, and I help Leaf not just with teaching, but with some of the like business uh, admin because I am very good at very boring things. <laughs> I am very bad at very boring things. <laughs> I am good at budgets and spreadsheets and 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 consent forms and things like that. And I do rope good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and and there's actually a bit of we get in some folks. There's a bit of controversy about making money doing rope. Um, so most folks don't know, maybe they do know teaching doesn't really make a lot of money, like teaching no. conventions or traveling yeah. to teach. You. We break even and most of the time we lose. We money. pay. Yeah. We, <laughs> like even with flight covered, hotel covered, like we still have to eat. And most of the time when we are teaching these things, we're only making like one or $200 potentially sometimes less. And then sometimes the conventions won't let you teach. So there are some that are really amazing and they'll allow me to like set up privates and I'm able to break even or make a little bit. But most of the time I'm losing money when I'm traveling to teach. Yeah. So we do it because we love it. Just like people who run conventions don't really make money. No, when they do it nobody they makes it. money <laughs> at conventions. Um, but tying people for private sessions is something we talked about ethically when they first started to run this business. Um, and there were so many people who were curious about rope bondage or who were rope bottoms, but one uh, maybe couldn't find someone they were compatible with to have a rope relationship. That was like a big thing mm-hmm. that people came with. And two, some people were like, I am too busy to put the energy that is required to maintain a healthy rope relationship, but I desire to be in rope every so often. Mm-hmm. Some folks are, they have disabilities. Some folks don't feel safe with any of the people that they know that do rope or they don't want to necessarily have a two-sided relationship, but that's the thing about sex work. You can come in and say, I want this scene mm. curated perfectly to me. It changes the power balance for sure if that they get to pay for it. Absolutely. Yeah. All the power is in my client's hands, and I am basically guiding them through the journey that they want to experience. And I think that puts a lot of power in, in a robotoming that doesn't really exist outside of the space that um, I'm able to create. Yeah, a lot of bottoms say like, oh, I've never... I, you know, I, I try not to speak up about things I want or I like try to just, you know, there's a lot of, um, and like even Leaf said it at the beginning, like, um, there's this like uh, idea that the best bottom is one who has nothing to say mm-hmm. and that they're, they're melty and they're flexible and they're, and they, they take everything. They're a tank. That's like an expression <laughs> you'll hear a lot here. Um, and a lot of people actually think that about me. Um, <laughs> but there's very fun videos of me swearing aggressively. We'll put that in the so people can watch that too. <laughs> okay. I have this kind of icky just swearing at me because um, I. <laughs> that's how I really process. Yeah, and and so I think that like it also gives a lot of people a space to figure out how to communicate what they want and be empowered to do so that so they can pursue other relationships, but. We always remind people that like sex work or that, that rope has its lineage in sex work. Um, that's oh, not absolutely. like a kind of a separate part. Um, so we, we kind of see those things as, as, as they intermix well. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. We want to continue making this podcast for you for a long time. And to do that, we need your support. Please go to ropepodcast.com to buy rope video lessons from experts so we get a small commission on your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, a really great way to help us is donating on Patreon. A one-time amount or a monthly pledge that can be as little as the cost of your morning coffee 
makes a big difference to us. And you will gain cool perks like behind-the-scenes photos and the ability to vote on future podcast topics. Go support us on ropepodcast.com because you love rope too. So I'm quite interested in this notion of is rope on its own sex work? Like for you, even if there's no sexual, no overt sexual component to it, you would still consider it sex work? So this is something that I have, I have definitely processed and, and had a lot of thoughts on over the years. Cause in the beginning I did struggle to call myself a sex worker. Um, because, uh, most of the time my clients do not want, uh, penetration. However, the amount of emotional and physical labor mm-hmm. that I am still doing for another person, um, I, I do believe is sex work. Um, if there are professional cuddlers out there that, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not sleeping with their clients, but they are giving a large amount of their time, energy, both physically and emotionally to take care of another person. That is, that is sex. Yeah. The, the, the term sex work also, I've heard a lot of folks, uh, also use the term like erotic labor, mm-hmm. uh, where even if there's not inherently sex involved most of the time for, for these clients, because rope's already hard enough than add sex, <laughs> it's, especially if you're in the air, oof, that's a lot to handle. Um, but like, it is a form of erotic labor, um, in the fact that, I mean, Leaf has like downtime after each client and prep time and creating this, this space for them. And sometimes people cry and sometimes people scream and sometimes people laugh. And, um, there is that like really intense connection. Yeah. There is a lot of this because there's no penetration doesn't mean there isn't like an intimacy going on. And, um, there also doesn't mean that I'm not open to penetration of clients. I just haven't been asked for that yet. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a, a great segue to what I wanted to ask is when you're working with a client as opposed to your romantic partner or your friend, what kind of boundaries do you put in place for your rope scenes? Uh, absolutely. So I have a long, um, lengthy negotiation worksheet that I have every potential client fill out. So if you're interested in booking a session with me, the first thing I'll do is I'll send you this form and it asks everything from, you know, your age and what allergies you have all the way to like, have you experienced trauma? How do you, have you ever like experienced a freeze response to what are your goals and rope? What do you fantasize about? And then my most important question is why are you coming to me specifically? Um, I really, I, and I look over that sheet and I determine for myself, are we compatible? Okay. Are, are we going to have a good time together? Um, if someone is coming to me with, um, uh, like I'll the name, like a ridiculous thing, not ridiculous because every, every fetish is fine, but let's say somebody wants to come to me with something that I'm not into. Um, they want to experience diapers, diapers sure, in yeah. Rome. Um, it's not something that I personally will, uh, will, would want to do. Therefore, I would say, I'm so sorry, I'm not the top for you. Okay. Uh, it also depends on what we give, what they give that person. Um, so some, like some of the clients that Leaf has are very experienced rope bottoms. Yeah, I do. I actually who, have a lot of experience rope who bottoms. Who just like really want to do something challenging or really want a space to dictate everything that happens. They mm-hmm. want to be in complete control. And so Leaf might do something very challenging with them. But a lot of times it's like, you've not done rope before and I know you want to be suspended, but let's start on the ground. Mm-hmm. Let's very simple let's work up to this this dream because it's also leaf's responsibility as someone who holds a lot of knowledge if someone's coming to them without that knowledge to also help give them that knowledge 
uh, you don't know what you don't know. So we believe also goes over like what are the short and long-term risks associated with rope bondage, like what are the potential impacts, um, so that folks can truly feel like informed. I think you make a really interesting point that I've never really thought of before, which is that as a society, we don't really have a term for the kind of work that is intimacy, emotional labor related. Like we have sex work and then we have, in inverted commas, professional work where people are in an office or they're doing a transactional activity. But there's there's not that space for when you you give intimacy, when you give emotional labor, and it's not necessarily sexual in the traditional sense, but it's exhausting for the person. And I say that as a psychologist. And it's not therapy either. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, so I'm a psychologist, so I get some recognition for the emotional labor, I guess, that I do. But I really think there's a space for society not recognizing that place. Yeah, that's so interesting. And also, like, I know I have a lot of friends that have done stripping and the fact that they feel like they've almost like they're they're like I end up talking about people's divorces and their trauma like while I'm covered in strawberry glitter more often than (laughs) actually dancing um and I know we I have a friend who is a sex surrogate who works alongside a therapist providing like um like sex surrogacy for clients who like struggle with intimacy. And there's, there's all these different professions that touch kind of the sidelines Mm. of so many different things. Um, but I, I do know that like, you know, sex work is an all encompassing term that encompasses erotic dance and camming and pornography Mm -hmm. and in person, um, sex work. So we feel like this kind of fits right into some of those things as well. Mm -hmm. So switching topics slightly, um, Having been in work for 10 years, there uh, I imagine many experiences that you've both faced. What have been your biggest challenges in your work journey? Mm. Hmm. Do you want to go first? Yeah. Um, for me, it is definitely around anxiety and uh, panic related to rope. Um, so as someone who, like I have, uh, you know, struggles with anxiety and panic outside of rope. So of course rope is not, you know, a vacuum. So all of myself, I bring with me to my rope scenes. Um, so I know that we uh, took a few months off of tying the start of the pandemic because we at that point didn't have access to a hard point. And there was just, you know, obviously a lot going on in the world. We ended up not tying for a little bit. I remember we tried to jump right back into it oh, uh, head first. And yeah, we wanted to do like it was literally like a TK, a thigh line, and an ankle, and we were going to build the fudo in the air and do and a then single flip upside down. It was yeah, it was, we had big plans. Mm-hmm. Um, Ambitious. I up, yeah, I ended up crying and coming down, and you know, since then we've both like at least uh, had like health issues in the past year that led them to also start feeling some anxiety and rope. So um, to hear that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's life at this point. Like, who isn't anxious? <laughs> so we love, like, talking about that with other people and other bottoms on how to build, like, different communication styles that can help with that. Like, we use a lot of plain speak in rope for our communication. Mm-hmm. I'll simply say, like, this band is too tight here. I want it dressed this way. Or, hey, the waist is fantastic but my shin hurts could we like lower the photo a bit I'll, I'll just plain speak but in terms of a color system of safe words um, 
Most people have heard of red, yellow, green. Red means stop, we're done, take me down. Yellow um, means like there's a check-in needed because something needs to change. Green means I'm good. Uh, for a while, we did and we added and we taught to add blue, which means I'm having a mental health concern, and I'd like to engage in that specific aftercare plan. Um, and so for me, as whenever I have anxiety and rope, Leaf actually knows not to take me out. That's not what I want. Because for me, if I have anxiety and I express that and I'm taken down, then anxiety took the rope away. And that creates kind of like a negative association. So what Leaf will do is they'll get underneath me and very calmly start talking to me, grounding me in my body, asking me where I feel the rope the most, breathing with me. Um, until I'm into a place where we can move on and I get to make the call. So like that we learned through trial and error is what works, works best kind of for me. Yeah, that's such a good one. That's a really, really, really good one. I'm, I'm, I would, uh, I would definitely like say yes, like that as like, it's just interesting being in a long term rope dynamic, mm-hmm. right? Um, this is the longest I've ever tied with someone we're coming up on. Three years. three years and we live together and we and live together <laughs> we have a dog together we're partners as well. we have partners <laughs> you know we do all the things um so trying to mm. uh navigate um our uh, a, a dynamic that continues to shift because we are so involved with each other just outside of rope yeah. i will definitely know that's been an interesting thing to overcome and work and continue to work through um yeah like how does rope fit into conversations about bills looking for apartments the dog needs this you know or yeah or like so, how does the rope change like mm-hmm. we got it i think we got into uh, art-based photography focused rope because your anxiety was so intense yeah, that we couldn't yeah. really see as much as we used to yeah um, we we will shift the kind of rope we do based on like how we are both feeling mm-hmm. as individuals. So like at some points our rope is highly sexual and very, uh, you know, sadistic. And then we'll take a period of just really doing labbing, just learning, taking mm-hmm. classes and labbing things. Then we'll shift into just photography for a while. And sometimes it's kind of a mix of everything. Um, but it, we allow it to shift and change without becoming distressed that it did. And, um, and any rope is good rope, right? Hell yeah. <laughs> and then I really struggled at the beginning of my rope, my rope, um, time. I don't know. The whole thing wasn't a career, obviously, but my rope journey, I guess I'll say. Um, cause I started out as a bottom and I am one of the many, many, many bottoms in the world that was taken advantage of because I didn't understand the power dynamics at play and the person, um, that was tying me took advantage of me. Um, and I stopped wanting to bottom in rope and that's actually how I started topping because I still loved rope, but I was too afraid to bottom again. Mm. And then coming full circle to once I got good enough at rope, I forgot my own power, like as, as a top and, and I've made mistakes too, um, with people in my rope. And I think the longest journey has been as a top trying to, understand the power that and knowledge especially the, the amount of knowledge that i hold in rope and knowing that the person in my rope um, may know or probably unless i'm tying icky or another educator knows significantly less than me and how do i take care of them and how do i inform them enough to where i am no i'm not taking advantage of them okay that's really that's deep important stuff right there <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
yeah, I think I, I think the world would be a lot um, a lot better if more tops recognized the power, especially in rope. Like rope tops recognize the power they hold, and how how do we share that power with bottoms um, so that they are able to understand when something doesn't feel right and speak about it? Yeah, I also in that same vein, I'm I'm the educator in classes where when we're going over like locking off safe uplines, when I see bottoms like not paying attention, I'm like, listen here, this is the only thing keeping you. <laughs> keeping your face not smashing into the ground, you have a responsibility to also be educated to know what is and isn't safe. So I, I also wish that it was like kind of standard in the rope scene that it wasn't ideal that <laughs> bottoms don't know anything about the rope that they're in. Like I wish it was kind of like standard practice of like, oh, you want to be tied? Start with a 101 class. Hmm. Learn all the basic safety stuff and then you're like, you know, ready to be in rope because you, you have some of that knowledge. Um, so I think that that's like a community responsibility thing. Yeah, and it's difficult, I think, because I, I really feel that some bottoms aren't interested. And Correct. You know, trying to help people to be to have that feeling of personal responsibility and accountability is, is not so easy. Uh, people are mm. quick to complain on one level, but there's also a responsibility, I feel strongly as a bottom, that we have to educate ourselves and to take some of that responsibility and to to build your knowledge and you can't maybe do that in your first week but (laughs) you've got the opportunity to do that now there's a lot of online resources and access to information is less um uh, is is more available yeah yeah it's, it's very available now i know one of the things that i talk about a lot as a bottom is just that my longevity being a rope bottom has been rooted in my ability to recognize that not every bad experience that I've had in rope is necessarily someone's fault or a reason mm. to stop. A lot of my bad experiences in rope have been due to things that we both maybe didn't know or learning about myself. Um, like I know we had a scene once where, Oh yeah, we do a lot of like weird mind games and a lot of dynamic stuff. And we use a lot of inclusive consent where we really only do the things we talk about, but in our dynamic, we, want to be able to explore new topics and new things and kind of ad lib. Um, and I remember they said something about like, Oh, the scene's over, but it was just kind of like a head trick. And so the scene mm. kept going. And I realized that like, I learned in that moment, I was like, Oh, I fucking hate that. I don't like that at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so me playing a mind game ended up with them crying. Yeah. Which is which... <laughs> having a trauma response, which is so fair. And we ended up talking about it and learning that, Oh, that does not feel good for Icky. So but I never did that. Again. It was something I didn't know how to like communicate about because I hadn't experienced it. No, exactly. Yeah. So a lot of the like negative experiences I have in rope, I don't even really consider them negative. I consider them like how, like I want, I like, I try to understand like what's the one, two, three of this? Like how did this experience come to be and why and what were both people's, you know, thoughts and intentions? And then what did that teach me about this relationship or about my own? abilities or desires in rope and so I think that like kind of facing rope as with the knowledge that like sometimes it's going to be like not great because <laughs> um, we can't control everything um, that that happens in this very stupid decision to hang each other from the ceiling with dead plants yeah. um, <laughs> so it's, it's I find it a really uh, joyous uh, journey 
Yeah, so it's about helping you evolve uh, on your rope journey rather than something that um, uh, is negative or something that that you need to blame someone for. Yeah. All right, so um, it's been a fantastic discussion um, and we have a million more questions, but we're going to wrap it up. So that We're going to have you again in a year or two to yeah. ask all the other questions we don't have time to ask yet. Yeah, yeah, but um, we don't want to take any more of your time. So thank you so much. It's been a really interesting discussion for us, um, hearing more about your work journey, uh, your passion for education that really comes through and, and what's important to you in teaching and what you bring to that has been really interesting and then also hearing about the sex work i think there's maybe aspects of that that people don't think about so much and i think it's really helpful to explore those um in this kind of setting mm, definitely so for our listeners they can find your website at houseofbound.com and you guys are also on instagram right Yes, um, for the time being, we are still on Instagram. <laughs> okay, yeah, until you get the mystery ban as some rogue people seem to get <laughs> exactly. for no clear reasons. Sadly, that's all too common a phenomenon. Do you guys have any specific project coming up or something you'd like to talk about? Uh, absolutely. So I have been working on a lot of actual physical art um, that you can hang on your wall. And um, with that, uh, I will plug that I have an Etsy um, that you can purchase not only all my tutorials from, but this upcoming art that I will begin to sell. Uh, and you can find that by typing in House of Bound without spaces on Etsy, but you can also find it through my website, houseofbound.com. That's awesome, guys. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So that's all from us at The Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and also come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Follow us on Instagram where our name is also Rope Podcast. If you have a question related to rope, we'd love to answer it in one of our future episodes. Drop us a message on FetLife or Instagram. If you like this podcast and would enjoy more episodes, find all the ways to support us on our website, ropepodcast.com. In particular, please consider supporting us directly on our Patreon page. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.